Hello, Julian. Hey, Mike. Hey, what are we going to do today? Today, we're going to go north of the border. We're going to go up to the highlands and islands of Scotland. Oh, I like Scotland. What are we going to do there? What are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to find out about the pet blood bank. Oh, can we also ask about how to keep cats stress-free at the vets? Yes, we can. And we've got just the person to do that with, Nikki McLeod, RVN. Brilliant. Let's get her on. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Hey, lovely to see lovely to meet you. you too. Um, Great to meet you, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki, thanks so much for agreeing to come on the show. And oh, thanks yeah, for coming on the show. It's great having you. First of all, importantly, our, our, our listeners are anxious to know what's the weather like up in Bonnie, Scotland? Uh, what we call drich, which is Dreech. wet and miserable. The it's pretty drich down here as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's hammering down here at the moment. Oh, no, it's just that horrible, drizzly yuck that we have. So yeah. it washes the midges away, doesn't it? We don't get midges. We're not far enough north for midges. We're, you have to go further north, so... Ah, right. I've been bitten in mid, by midges in uh, in Glasgow. Oh, well, that's Glasgow. Oh, no, that, no that's midgets. Sorry. I'm married to <laughs> Glaswegian, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> not not just any old Glaswegian, a guitar playing Glaswegian. So again, for the listeners, yeah. He's got longer uh, hair than I have. <laughs> has he? Uh, don't mention long hair to Mike or I. We get very upset. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So is he in a band? Um... Yeah, he's in sort of lots of different bands and does lots of things on his computer, technical stuff. So, yeah. For, for, no, for I, our, I don't have great. anything to do with it. For, for <laughs> our listeners, Nikki's joined us and she's sitting in a room, a lovely room, and behind her, on hanging on the wall, is a veritable collection of all sorts of guitars. Oh, dear, they're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. I can't help feeling, though, Nikki, that, that here we are on Veterinary Ramblings. We've got <laughs> probably one of the most qualified vet nurses in Scotland, and uh, we're talking about her husband's guitars. Hello. So, <laughs> uh, so let's, let, shall we move on to you? Okay. <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about, about Nikki. And what um, Nikki. The shortened version, because I'm a bit of a waffler, so the shortened version is... You're, I you're on Veterinary Ramblings. It's yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why it's called Ramblings. <laughs> when did we ever go for the short version? Shortened version, <laughs> 10 hours later. Um, I qualified in 2000, um, but I did have a little break from veterinary nursing to continue with my photography business full time. Um, right. And did that for a couple of years. And then we had our second child and he was very ill. So I didn't do a lot of photography for that. And because of that, um, one of the last weddings that I photographed uh, was somebody that worked at um, the vet school in Edinburgh. Right. Uh, I actually went into labour at her wedding, which was just one of the bizarrest things ever. And he appeared, <laughs> he, he appeared two days later. Uh, fortunately, he didn't appear at the wedding, so that was quite good. Um, but she... Hang, hang on, Nikki. So, <laughs> right, so you're working as a professional photographer uh-huh. at a paid gig. Uh-huh. And you're nine months pregnant. Yep. It gives you somewhere to rest, doesn't it? I need a tripod, just rest it on the bump. Well, yeah. The funny thing was, though, the wedding was actually the wedding ceremony itself was in uh, on an island in the middle of the River Forth, just north of Edinburgh. Um, and I, obviously, they booked me two years in advance, which is 
slightly longer <laughs> than a pregnancy. Um, so when I, tell, I told them that I was pregnant, I was like, I ain't getting on a boat, pal, at nine months pregnant, because <laughs> I can guarantee what's going to happen. They're going to have to get me, like, shipped off this island, like, sure. in full labour. Um, and then it was quite funny, actually, the fact that I did end up in labour uh, later on that night. But I just said to them, no, I am not doing the actual ceremony part. Um, so I got somebody else to do that bit, and I just went to the, the reception part. But even that was tough, so... Anyway, yes, she works at the vet school and she knew of a job going in Edinburgh that was a maternity leave position. Uh, It was just reception. It wasn't nursing. I'd obviously been at nursing for a while. I I went and did that reception job and absolutely loved it. And thought, hmm, you know what, I can maybe go back into the profession again. Um, And basically a couple of years on kind of fell back into another position that said, yes, if you want to do your nursing training, it's not training, it's like period of supervised something or other. It's basically something that you have to say, yes, I am competent, (laughs) even though I've not done it for a couple of years, I still know how to hold a dog, hold a cat. Um, And I got that signed off and basically have been back in the profession ever since. And occasionally picked up a camera, but now I'm back into the veterinary nursing and that's me. So when, when you do these competency things, because Julian and I have both done these competency sheets, because uh-huh. we, we, we both work as vaccinators for the okay. NHS. And so whenever we get something new, uh-huh. like maybe a different vaccine, uh-huh. we have to go through this 10-page document with about, I don't know, what is it, 10 or 12 skills or things on each page? Oh, easily, easily 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, and we have to be... W- witnessed doing watching three and doing three or whatever it is yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah it's sort of it's the same, it, with, the, with the vet nurse yeah it's very similar i mean it's not you don't have to sit exams plus they don't call they didn't call them muskies in my days they were practicals um right i'm old um you don't have to sit any practical exams or anything you don't even have to sit any any kind of exam all you have to say is what are you not very good at? What do you need a fresher on? And get somebody else to sign it and say, yeah, she's been here long enough to say, yeah, she's okay at that. So, so then was, you both you both sign, say. Both sign all yes, the paperwork, you, yeah. You, you, you can hold a dog. Yes, yeah. yeah. I can inject a dog and not kill it. So, yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of common sense involved in it. Oh, well, yeah, I was lacking in that. But, yeah, she did sign off. How much did you pay her? Because I find it, it's I about five or a sheet for me. <laughs> yes, about that. Thanks to yeah. Sam for that one. But, yeah, um, it was quite good. I mean, it's, it's silly things that they do say that you have to have um, signed off. I mean, it was things like endoscopy. I'd never touched an endoscopy before I stopped veterinary nursing. So yeah. the, the hmm. profession has changed so much as well. So in, in a way, it actually was really good to do it in order to say, actually, I never even knew how to do that in the first place. So it was quite good in a way. I, I, I find that quite difficult at times because the each step is, is sort of broken down and justified. Yeah. And you sort of go, will I do this? And they go, right, well, you've done that. And you've yeah. done this tick, and you've done that tick, and you've done <laughs> really, well, yes. And you yeah. spoke to the patient nicely, so you're showing empathy too. So we'll yeah. write that in there too, and they write that in, and then they sign that off and go, "Very well done." <laughs> really? Okay. I did all that. Only <laughs> only signed up to give them a jag for heaven's sake. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it 
what's, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> what's uh, talking about this? I don't want to talk about COVID. We, we talk about COVID every night, don't we, Julian? But, we do every single right. night, but what even I'm, when what we're not on Bethany Ramblings. We what, what really intrigues me is that we call it jabs, J A B. Mm-hmm. But as Julian's just raised back to my consciousness, when I was watching the news the other night and they were calling it going in for your jag. That's a Scottish thing. That absolutely is a Scottish thing. Going in for your jag. Your jag. Have you have you had your jag? You're going in for the dog's going in for its jags today. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was in I was in hospital in Scotland once and um I got quite excited. They said we're gonna get you a jag, and I thought, bloody hell, awesome. <laughs> It's great. I love Scottish hospital. I've must have won some competition on a millionth punter or something. Yeah, you're going to get a, a luxury car, V8. Keys. Yeah, I don't care. Well, fantastic. There's no one of fuck, that hurt. Yeah, now, where's exactly. my car? <laughs> the only Jackie you you stabbing. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> so where does Jag come from then? No idea. It's just, we don't see jabs. It's just... You jab somebody, you poke them with your finger. But if you jag somebody, you jag them with a needle. So it's just the way mm. it is. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, little colloquialisms, aren't they? Fantastic. Yeah, we do. No, we love you. Aren't they? We do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you give um, lots and lots of of jags these days to to dogs and cats. Yes. Uh, in a in a very stress free environment, don't you? You're you're. Uh, yeah, I'm very much. Yeah, I'm very much into low stress, fear-free handling. It's one thing I really noticed coming back into the profession, and obviously, particularly now because of pandemic, we're getting a lot of pandemic puppies and stuff like that as well. Um, is that you really want to make it a better experience for the animal? And I mean, twenty odd years ago, you would be quite happily dragging the dog in on its lead and plonking it on the table and jagging it and stuff like that. So these days you're just like, no, you want the dog to be um, happy and the cat as well. Maybe not so as easy with the cats, but certainly you do want the dogs to come in and be happy. And it's just such a nice environment for us. Um, I mean, you, you muzzles, yes, I do advise using muzzles, but you'd rather the dog was actually happy to just sit there and eat some treats while it got his jag. So, and that's why I like the pet blood bank um, environment that we work in as well, because that's very much fear-free, we obviously the dog can't turn around and say sorry pal I don't want to give you any of my blood today but we can watch its body language and say right it's not happy if it's not happy we ain't doing it so mm. and a lot of people a lot of owners get a bit frustrated about that as well sometimes they're just like can you not just pin them down and take the blood because we want them to be a donator um, and we would, we would say to them look we would rather he donated the next time because if we pin them down and force this dog to be a donor, then he's not going to come back and do it the next time. So that's why the whole ethos of that, I just think is absolutely brilliant. So Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong here, Nikki, because you you were involved in veterinary, Mm -hmm. then you moved away, and now you're back again. Mm -hmm. And you've just mentioned something there about fear-free and and low-stress environments, which we're big advocates of ourselves um and we, we talk quite a lot about this on on our shows but where do you think the change came and, and why are we now looking at fear free and low stress environments i think the general public as well as the veterinary profession have opened their eyes a lot more to right how better it is for everybody not just the patient but for the staff as well um but the, thanks to the internet 
I mean, everybody knows that they can go and Google something and it's not, there's not necessarily closed doors. It's not like the vet is God and we do exactly everything that the vet says. There is, they can go away and research themselves and they can find out that we don't have to pin them down to do things. Mm. Um, and I just feel that, it's, that the knowledge out there now is huge. Um, I mean, as I say, coming back into the profession and doing particularly thanks to lockdown last year, um, I ended up being off for three months and I did my low stress handling and I did all my fear free during those couple of months that I was off uh, while I was on lockdown. And it was just like such an eye opener. It's right. common sense really when you think about it, but there's huge eye opener. Um, and the general public, there's so much of that information out there for the general public as well. So I think they appreciate it. I think you make a very good point there. I think the internet does has made a big difference um, because I've, I've for a long time with regards to um, taking bloods or or examining cats, particularly fractious cats, mm. I, I've spoken and said, use a, a towel or a, make a cat burrito. Mm-hmm. What I hadn't realised when, when I'm saying this because the people I've, I've been lucky enough to work with have sort of gone into this and, and it's a very caring and delicate wrapping of the cat mm-hmm. and, and, and working with the cat. What I hadn't realised was that there are a whole series of videos on the internet showing cat being grabbed by the neck, slammed onto the towel, and, and sort of forcibly restrained yeah. in what they call a burrito. Yeah. And I had no idea. And, and I, I'd said it a number of times or a couple of times to a few people, you know, well, let's use a cat burrito, and was faced with this oh, look of horror and shock. Yeah. What's Mike mm-hmm. suggesting we do? And what I was actually suggesting we do is lay a nice warm towel out on the table and yes. encourage, the cat, encourage the cat to gently go onto the nice warm towel where it was okay and it could make it could make paddy paws oh, with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and do all of that. And then we just gently wrap it over and give it a snuggly cozy bed. And then we can work a leg out or a tail out and do what we need to do, whether that be taking blood or or, or doing a blood pressure or whatever it is that we're doing. But yeah. I had no idea. But so is, is that a client arrives at your door? Mm-hmm. And you, so what you're sort of saying is that they've got an expectation as to how things are going to go. A lot of them do. Got right. to admit, sometimes the older generation, maybe not so. Um, but certainly, I think the, the millennials. Excuse me. Are, Excuse me. Are, the, the older generation. Not, well, not you, Mike. Old, older than you. Older than oh, you. okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Older than me, I'm nearly fifty. For goodness' sake! <laughs> oh, 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 don't know. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. I'd smooth the oil over the troubled water. There. I'm sorry, Nikki, you've, you've ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I just feel that certainly the younger, the millennials, etc. They are definitely a lot more aware. Um, they've been brought up with internet. I mean, I didn't have the internet when I was a kid. I met my husband on the internet um, when it was not trendy. Um, you say, "What are you doing on here? Get off." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Usually, usually um, playing those guitars. <laughs> exactly. And that was our first date, actually, was going and seeing him play guitar. Um, so I do think that the, mill- the millennials, the younger generation, are very much more aware of it. Um, right. And so because of that, you just have to do it with everybody. And then, you, I mean, you can always teach somebody new tricks, can't you? So, yeah. I mean, if you can treat a nearly 50-year-old how to 
do all this, then it's I actually quite enjoy teaching everybody else how to do it. It's um, I'm the, definitely the cat advocate in the practice. I'm the one that goes in smelling off feel away instead of Dior. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I, I just I just feel that, that you can. Everybody can improve. I mean, the one thing I really really surprised about when I came back into the profession was slip leads and oh my goodness, they're like not good and every dog must wear a harness. And I was just like, geez, where did all that change? So everybody's going to change. So I think you can all take part in in that change. Mm-hmm. And whether they're young, old or whatever, at the end of the day, it's going to be good for the animal. Um, and if we're yeah. not going to get bitten or scratched, um, it's definitely handy. It, it's, uh, I guess, I'm, I'm thinking of several different ways the conversation can go here, but just to sort of continue that one, uh, really, the only problem, and I, I say it with with, uh, with complete frankness and a bit of tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. the, the only problem with with a stress free clinic is that it takes longer yeah. to to do things, yeah. and and that's often the the comment that's um, that's actually passed on to me. You know, we can't, we haven't got the time to do this all this namby pamby fear free stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've just fought with that dog for the last half hour. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't 10 minutes at the start of your consult trying mm-hmm. to calm it down have, yeah. have saved that? And for the next 50 or 60 consultations, this dog will have in its lifetime. Exactly. And it's usually the first three consults that, that make a, a dog or cat decide whether he or she is going to be uh, a good customer mm-hmm. or patient or one from the fiery bowels of hell that grows to other heads, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And the thing is, as well, your clients sit and watch, well, not at the moment for a lot of us, but in pre-COVID times, you're sitting, your client is sitting watching all this. Yeah. And if they've seen their dog struggling and lashing out and stuff like that, they ain't going to bring it in the next time. So you could potentially gain 10 minutes, five minutes of that consultation, but you've then lost hours of that client and then coming back because they ain't going to come back. So it's just taking your time and it's so worth it in the long run. Mm. And yeah, I've worked with vets. I've gone, I forgot to say, just hurry up and pin it down and take the yeah. blood. In. And I'm sorry, I'll quite happily say, no, just give me a minute, stick some Emla cream. Let's go back to it in 10 minutes time. Absolutely. And- Let's just wait because actually we're going to see a, a, a stressed blood sample otherwise and it won't be any good. Yeah. Although I do remember his little anecdote um, that, that uh, some listeners may find distasteful because we're talking about euthanasias and euthanasias are always the ones you want to go nicely and calmly and smoothly. And uh, I had this lovely elderly lady in once with her cat. And this this, this lady was um, uh, very, very hard of hearing. And I had to shout. So you, we, we feel we've come to the end of the road. Oh, that's right, Mr. Hode. No, no, no. We feel we, we feel that the time has come. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, you've got the runs. Yeah, no, and it, it went on like that, the whole conversation. In the end, yeah, half an hour later, we, we've come to the conclusion that euthanasia is the best thing. And she's decided and she's signed a form and everything. And by this time, this poor little I'm feeling, is, is I'm, very I'm, fe- I'm, I'm feeling very nervous here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling very nervous. Put me out of my misery. Well, I, absolutely. So I, I, I gave it a little uh, little uh, sedative with some midazolam and um, a bit of Senator, and it, it went, uh, uh, went, went very calm. And I got a catheter in, injected, and then suddenly it looked at me developed several thousand more teeth and claws, lunged at me with this ear-piercing 
jumped halfway towards me. It collapsed. Boom. Died. And she looked at me and said, oh, well, at least it was peaceful, wasn't it? (laughs) 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 Oh, they're thinking, I almost had my eyes scratched out. But yeah, no, it was. It was, yes. I, I, I think when it happens like that, you know it's almost time, don't you, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was very nervous where that conversation was going, Julian. Yeah, I'm no. sure you were. So was I. But you're right, spending a bit of time actually um, uh, invests you in, in, for the future in a, in a calmer patient. And I think nail clips actually are the big ones, aren't they? Oh, I always yeah. maintain if you do a nail clip wrong, then you've lost that pet's uh, friendliness and friendship exactly. forever. Yeah. That's where your lucky mats and your primula cheese can just come in so handy. And I mean, Absolutely. I, I have half a tube of nail <laughs> You don't need a lot of equipment, and a lot of people think you do as well. But just stick some primula cheese against the wall, and the dog likes it. And it will not really think too much about what you're doing because, hey, Premier Cheese is freaking awesome. So, yeah, but licking walls in a time of COVID, Nikki. Well, not for clients, no. (laughs) Oh, I see. No, I'm sorry for the dog. Right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. With you there. (laughs) So, but now rather than um, rather than giving dogs and cats injections, you're more involved in uh, in doing your vampire act, aren't you, Nikki? That's right. Yep. I, for the last couple of years, I have been working with Pet Blood Bank and started off, first of all, as a donor assistant, which is holding dogs. And again, a lot of people think, oh my God, you pin them down. And you're not really, you're just being there as a safety precaution. Because obviously, if you've got this big ass needle and you're sticking it in the dog's neck, you want to make sure that A, you're not going to get jagged by it and Mm -hmm. the dog is not going to rummage around and end up with the juggling places that it shouldn't be so the donor assistant helps to hold the dog there's a phlebotomist that obviously is the vampire that takes uh, the blood themselves and a lot of people don't realize that but that's an rvn's job for pet blood bank so yay for the rvn's um the vets actually they do the health check beforehand and sign the dog off for a donation um but they don't actually take the blood um it's all down to our rvn's that do that and i became a phlebotomist a year after that and then about six months after that, uh, I got asked to be regional coordinator for the Scotland team. And right. that's basically me organising the teams that we have for all the venues. It's a mobile thing. Um, we go around all different practices around Scotland. At the moment, as far north as Aberdeen, uh, sorry, Dundee. We'd like to go to Aberdeen and go a bit further north. But at the moment, it's Dundee. Uh, we go down into the borders and then we've got the central belt in between. And we basically have a session every weekend with occasional ones in between as well um, and I have a team of phlebotomists, donor assistants and vets and they all go for a day and we get between 10 and 25 donors attending and each dog can donate enough to save four dogs lives so, so it's really worthwhile. So ex- explain this to me because I'm picturing here that you've almost got a central hub mm-hmm. and that you send teams out to various other venues yeah. to collect yeah. to collect the blood. That's what right. happens to it? Does that come back to the central hub then for storage yes, and then disseminate? Yeah, we have a processing centre in Loughborough. 
Um, so we have a courier that comes and picks up all the blood at the end in a cool box and ships it down overnight to Loughborough where they start processing it at some ungodly hour in the morning um, because it has to be done within obviously a specific time Um, and that then gets separated into four different bags Uh, hopefully if it's a full unit it's uh, packed red cells and plasma and then it can get shipped out for any vet that then phones the pet blood bank and says we need blood they can then ship it out with courier straight to that vet Wow, I have to I have to say at this stage that the Pit Blood Bank is uh, is a charity. That's right, isn't it, Nikki? So, although clearly, uh, if if a vet needs blood for for a case, uh, there's payment involved. Mm-hmm. The Pit Blood Bank isn't there to make money on it. It's there to provide uh, vets w- with the with the necessary with the service uh, and does an yeah. excellent job. We we've used Pit Blood Bank many many times. And I'm very, very pleased and proud to say that we've saved many dogs' uh, lives as a result of it. I think it's a fantastic service. How can an owner uh, who may be interested in in, uh, in 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 allowing their pet to donate, how, how can they actually become involved in this? Uh, we have a website, petbloodbankuk.org, and you can register your dog. Your dog has to be between one and eight years old and it has to be over 25 kilos and if they obviously have to be friendly <laughs> a lot of people's interpretation of that can be very difficult uh so obviously <laughs> they're love bite. <laughs> <laughs> don't take that kind of blood in that in that manner um it's just a nibble, it's just a nibble. he's being friendly he's being friendly when, when you say when you say they're going to be over 25 kilos so um, if you've got a a chihuahua yeah. that's really morbidly obese. Will, will, <laughs> that, will that do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've yet to meet a 25 kilo of chihuahua. Uh, yeah, because of the amount of blood that we have, <laughs> we have to take. We use this, exactly the same collection bags as what you take in humans' blood. Mm-hmm. So it's the big blood bags. So obviously we have to take a certain amount because of the uh, coagulation involved in that so we unfortunately can't take small ones we do have the facility in the kit to do whole blood um transfusions if we're at a venue and i know it has happened a couple of times where particularly at the vet school in edinburgh they have come through and said guys we need blood now can you take some for us and we'll take it straight away and that has happened um Mm -hmm. but that's Few and far between. Um, that's not the norm. The norm is for us to take it and then take it back to the processing centre and then mm. for it to be ready to go out. And it goes out as quickly as we can take it in. It's it's quite ridiculous how how much it is needed. And, and it's a surprising also how many people in the general public, and especially in the dog world, don't know about us as well. So we're definitely yeah. trying to do a lot more promotion for people to know that your dog can be a lifesaver just like you when you go and get your blood taken. Absolutely. And of course, we're very used in the human field to having blood groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are obviously blood groups, well, perhaps not obviously, but there are blood groups in the in the canine field as well. Do you want, do you want right. to talk a bit about that? Or uh... Yep. So we have two uh, in dogs blood, uh, which is positive and negative. And our negative one is the one that can be used for anybody. I mean, obviously, every dog that comes to be donated gets blood typed. But in an emergency, you're not going to blood type the dog it needs the blood so negative blood can be given to any dog and it's particular breeds that are prone to being 
um, of the negative status, things like greyhounds, Dobermans, Weimaraners. Um, so obviously we, we prefer those kind of dogs to come um, and give their blood. But at the end of the day, if you're uh, positive, then it's fine. Just we will, we can still use that blood. Um, but obviously the, the negative breeds, as we call them, um, are definitely the ones that we like to promote to get as many as possible as we can. Mm. And, and most vets will have the the, the means to to look at uh, the, the the canine erythrocyte antigen positivity or negativity, so they can do cross matching uh, in uh, in practice, either by getting your kits because the canine uh, blood bank blood bank do provide uh, CEA kits, mm-hmm. yeah. or, or they can do these little insight uh, on slide agglutination tests if, if they right. need to, and that's really used more if. Um, if you're unsure of the donor uh, or if you're doing perhaps a second or or, or a third blood transfusion on the same dog, you need to be a little bit more careful. The good thing Um, about the blood bank is we um, test all our ones to see whether they're positive or negative. So we know exactly what we're getting. Um, And then that means that when it goes back to the Loughborough, they can say, right, out of that session, you ended up with, 15 negatives and two positives, and then that can just get shipped straight back out again. And a lot of people do liken it to like the human, like O's and A's and all that stuff. And we do the same thing. We get them gifts and we get them uh, little cards and stuff like that. Recently, we have moved to the apps. Um, So Mm -hmm. we're more trendier and doing it all on an app as well now. Um, We still give out bandanas and we give out um, fifth donation little the lapels that go in their bandanas and they get leads and stuff like that and that just goes down an absolute storm with everybody a lot of people don't realize that they get all these wee gifts obviously it's a bonus to the client as well because at the end of the day they're getting full hematology and biochemistry every year because we have to check that the blood um is perfectly good to be used for donation so they're getting a lot of blood tests for free as a thank mm. you um but at the end of the day, they're quite just quite happy that their dog's a lifesaver. And so many people go on Instagram and show off their dogs and photographs with their wee bandanas on. And they're like, look, my dog. Do, do you know? Is, is, there, is, is there a pet black, pet, the, a pet blood bank Instagram account then? Yes, there is. Uh-huh. And Facebook and. Yep. Yeah, and, wow. uh, and we put a lot of our donors' photos. I mean, we yeah, have a lot of good page. stories go on there as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah a lot of our uh, yeah. every every session we take a photograph at the end of the their donation, yeah. um, with their obviously owner's permission previously to see, and it goes on our Facebook page. So our, our Facebook page always has every donor on it that has donated that day. But a lot of people have their own Instagrams for their dogs these days and mm-hmm. they take their own photographs and then they put on Instagram and tag Pet Blood Bank and it's, it's really nice to see. So it's, and I usually, like I just did a session there on Sunday and I think I've got like four or five um, donors that I'm friends with on Instagram and uh, happily share their photograph again and saying it's been so good to see this guy again and he donated for another four dogs lives and stuff like that so it's it's really good it's the publicity at the end of the day is there um if the owners can help us and they do whether they want to or not they're not doing it for publicity they're doing it because they're really really um happy with their dogs that they've gone and donated and yeah yeah and, and the dogs again just to reassure people the dogs really don't suffer at all do they i mean as as with us giving blood we soon make up the volume the dogs soon make up the volume and the process itself you mentioned earlier it's done in as stress-free environment as possible 
You have dogs um, that fall asleep in our table. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's because yeah. of lack of blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's really quite funny that a lot of them love to come in. I mean, the owners will say to us, the dog he doesn't really like going to his own vet, but is he coming to you guys? Oh my God, you're awesome. Yeah, because we ply them full of treats and we want them to be happy. So by the time they've actually come up to the donation room, they've already had like bags and bags of treats stuffed in them. Um, and then they sit on the table and they're just like, all right, whatever. If we sit here for long enough, which is a maximum of 10 minutes, then mm. they know they're going to get more treats afterwards. Um, and we're all, we're all very like full of praise for them except when the needle's mm. in um, but we give quiet praise at that point but a lot of the time it's just like the dogs absolutely love it and that's been really good over the COVID um, time because obviously we have still continued to do uh, sessions over COVID mm-hmm. um, we did not stop at all because obviously it is um, quite important and but we couldn't allow owners in and it was quite interesting that a lot of owners were like I don't know whether I want to give you my dog. Um, and then after a couple of times, they were just like, here you go, just get on with it. The dog loves it. The dog comes out so happy. Um, and we're just like, yeah. And to be honest with you, the dog's usually better without the owner. Um, but a lot of the times, it's just like the, there's no stress. If there is stress with the dog, we call it. I mean, I did that on Sunday. There was a dog that dog that's donated 15 times before, and it just was having a bad day. And it's yeah. just like, no, you know what? I am yeah. not going to fight with you and I'm not going to stress it out. And we just said, look, mum, because we are allowing owners back in in some sessions now. I just turned around to mum and said, look, mum, not happening today. We'll try the next time. And she was fine about it. And yeah. that's what a lot of people do have to realise is at the end of the day, we're not going to fight with the dogs to get the blood. We're going to go by their, the way that they are acting on the day. And if they're not yeah. happy for whatever reason, just don't do it. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? We, they, they can sometimes turn around but when you give blood yourself. Uh, I mean, for example, I, I, I turned up to there's an eating centre the other day and they, they refused my blood. They said, we, we, we don't want it. And I said, look, they haven't said, it, is it because I put it in a red bucket, not a yellow one? But they, they wouldn't take it. All right. I'm not allowed to give blood. Uh, it's a real time. No. No, I was. I went. I went to do the the whole blood thing when I was a student, intending mm-hmm. to carry it on through, and then I think because I'm O negative, universal donor, mm-hmm. I have a particular attraction to mosquitoes oh. and, and, and and other other insecty things. So, so I've had a, a, a selection of interesting diseases in my time, like malaria oh and glandular fever. And they go, nah, you're not having it. Nah. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad really, because I've seen the size of those bags and that's like a whole armful, isn't it? It's jolly nearly an armful, yes. It's an armful. It is, yeah. it is an armful. <laughs> do, do, you get people, do you get people coming into the blood bank quoting Tony Hancock at you? No. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Tony Hancock? Yes, unfortunately I am old enough, but yeah. <laughs> but no. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, when I, whenever I give blood, I say, I'm going to do it. Do you mind if I quote there? Uh, go and quote Tony Hancock. Oh, they probably heard it. Oh, boy, that's Johnny nearly an armful, isn't it? Yeah, well done. <laughs> on you go. Thanks. <laughs> I just, I need to do it. I just need to do it. Uh, yeah. Do, do you think the new dogs coming through, the, the lockdown puppies you mentioned earlier, that are poorly mm. socialised in, in, in the vast majority, are, are they going to be as good as donors or... Uh, 
So we are seeing a lot of problems. That's where my behaviour head comes into it and turns around and thinks, oh my goodness, we're really going to have a lot of hard work over the next couple of years with these puppies. Mm -hmm. You can see it even just for like second vaccinations. It's just crazy at the moment. They're just, they don't have a clue. And a lot of people just don't realise that they can still take their puppy out in their arms and they don't have to meet other dogs. I was saying this to a client yesterday because she had her puppy in. She's like, oh yeah, I've been socialising with lots of dogs. It's not the dogs. Yes, dogs are important. But it's the people and it's yeah. all the stimuli that you have to get them used to. It's not necessarily the dogs. And she didn't realise that. And it's quite interesting that a lot of people thought, right, because we're in lockdown um, or we can't go anywhere, we can't meet anybody or we can't do anything. You can still carry your puppy out in, into the garden and listen to the cars and the buses going past and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think in a couple of years time, we are going to have a lot of dogs that might not be um, very good for donating. What, what, <laughs> What sort of problems are you seeing with that, Nikki? Because we're hearing quite a lot about it. Um, a lot of puppies just so nervous. I mean, you, you, when you, I'm a consultant nurse now, so I do a lot of consults. Um, so when I see a second vaccination on the book, I'm just like, yay, puppy, it's going to come in. It's going to be nice and happy. And it comes in and it's, excuse me, and shit scared. It's just mm. like, I'm not going to go anywhere near you. And that can be the treat. That can be the nice fear-free handling and it's just not a happy bunny at all and you're just like geez it's only 12 weeks old and it's like that and there's no need for it to be like that and it's just because it's missed that re-socialization period where it's just not going anywhere not spoken to anybody not being handled by anybody else apart from mum and it doesn't want to go anywhere unless it's been it's with mum so um it's just it is I can see it being a real problem in years to come Right. I think so. We we um, we normally allow so any nervous part. We normally say, "Well, you yeah, come in for a couple of days, mm-hmm. just sit down in the consulting in the in the waiting room. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we'll ply them full of treats. We'll, we won't do anything, and we'll get them used to it. And of course, these days, well, we do have people back in this practice, but mm-hmm. but we're limited for for for, for, exactly. for number of people, and it's tricky. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I think I think you're right. In a couple of years' time, we're going to see these dogs reach maturity, mm-hmm. and they're going to be real problems. Yeah. Um, so I think the 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 caution I'd say to owners out there now is wherever and whenever you can socialise your your puppies safely, and ideally in a professional environment, please do so. Absolutely. And it's worth spending that little bit of money going to puppy training classes. Not because they're trying to teach you how to handle a dog, because you may well know it. You may well be very, very experienced, but mm-hmm. it's a good, safe environment to be able to introduce yeah. your pet to other pets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till we can start all that back up again, because I've got a huge interest in behaviour and I want to start doing lots of happy visits and stuff like that, because I do feel it's just going to be such a problem. Um, and as you say, it's training the dogs and training the owners. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, something that really grinds my gears is when I hear somebody saying oh my dog hates going to the vets and you're just like your dog shouldn't hate going to the vets your cat shouldn't hate going to the vets cats obviously are slightly different but at the end of the day we we love it when people at pet blood bank saying oh my dog loves coming to see you and you're like yes thank goodness for that so mm-hmm. excellent stuff so you, you mentioned there Nikki that you you take photographs of your pet blood bank clients yes that's right so as as an ex professional photographer, I'm, I'm assuming it's that a rubbish Samsung that's got like a delay of like three seconds on it and oh, annoys the hell out of me, and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you not still got your cameras then? 
I've still got them, but I ain't taking 10 grand's worth of stuff to pay a blood bank. <laughs> Actually, tell a lie. I have done some marketing photographs for them recently. Um, but at the end of the day, I ain't, I ain't taking them to all the different sessions and stuff like that. So, so I'm going to ask you a question, Nikki. Think carefully before you answer this. Okay. Canon or Nikon? Um, Nikon. Well, Nikon, as we call it. Yes, there we go. There I we have go. to say Fantastic. that my husband works for Nikon. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I, I, I'm never sure whether it's Nikon or Nikon. I only say Nikon because that's what Simon and Garfunkel say, and I grew up listening to them. And, and, most, of, and most of our listeners are in America. And most of our listeners are Nikon over there. Yeah. I mean, I've got to admit, because Graham, my husband, does work for them now, um, and obviously has a lot of connections with the Japanese, they do tend to see Nikon a lot more. Um, but we're Scottish, you're awkward. We say it Nikon. <laughs> You, you pronounce things different. Jab, jag. I, I'll say them all. Jags. Nike. We don't say Nike. It's Nike. <laughs> <laughs> What's Nike? Nike. Shoes. Huh? Mm. No, no. We, we have hush puppies. Hush Nikki, puppies. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and I. Hush, yeah, they're hush comfy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's Nick shoes or whatever they call they're a bit too bit too tight no real art sport is there suede suede lace-ups know where you are with a yeah. norga hide that's all i can see yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So do you miss you do you miss your photography then nikki you know what my friend asked me that a couple of days ago and i was like no okay because it was getting to a point where I suppose you could say this about some clients in the veterinary profession as well, but bridezillas. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you're self-employed, you're the boss, at the buck stops with you. And they're really, uh, the grey hairs were just getting ridiculous. So, no. And the processing now as well, I like to get a lot of things right straight in camera. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have to do a lot of processing because there's nothing worse than sitting behind a computer for hours on end, touching up every single photograph. Um mm-hmm. But people expect it. Again, it's just the new generation. They're into their Instagram filters and all that. They want to look like they're 20 when they're 40 and stuff like that. And I'm not into that. So, yeah, yeah not for me anymore. So what what do you, if you take your camera out now, then what do you go and photograph? Um, my camera doesn't tend to go out an awful lot. <laughs> I've become a geeky student since I've come back into the profession and I am doing so much studying just now that I don't have time to do photography at all. <laughs> you, you've ratcheted up a whole load, haven't you? Did you say, was it 500 hours in the last year or something? Oh, God, redonkulous. It really is. Uh, yeah, because it's so funny when the folk at work say, oh, I've still not got my 15 hours of CPD and I'm like, oh, okay. 535 I think it was last year but a lot of that is I'm, I'm full, doing a, a full-time job <laughs> pretty much yeah I think my husband thinks that as well um the top-up degree each module is 200 hours so right. you're doing three of them in each um academic year but I was also doing like my ISFM certificate in, in feline nursing I was doing my advanced certificate in feline behavior and then the amount of, tab, amount of tabs that I've got on my phone that are like CPD related and webinars and all that, it's just like ridiculous. But it's, I don't know what it was. I've just come back into the profession and gone, oh, my God, I need to learn. And right. I just, so, so I'm going to ask you then, so what are you going to do with all of this? I don't know. Um, no, my, my main thing is I really want to 
help the veterinary profession and the general public to reduce stress for dogs and cats at the veterinary practice. Right. So I ideally want to do something with that and train, like teach, uh, probably over the internet, over Instagram and stuff like that, how we can improve the experience of the vets for owners and pets. Uh, oh. I'm not going to say rabbits because I'm allergic to them, so I ain't doing them. It's going to be dogs and cats. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're, here at Veterinary Ramblings, we're quite into our CPD as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may have heard. Mm-hmm. Have you, you're, have you you're looking up, suspicious already, Nicky. Yeah, you're looking very suspicious. <laughs> have you come across our 60-second CPD challenge? Maybe. Typical Scottish Cajunist there, if I may be... You're saying that you you like to share and that you want okay. to, you might use some of these uh, qualifications to go on mm-hmm. to teach and, and to provide. So mm-hmm. so how about a 60 second CPD practice? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you're up for mm-hmm. this, are you? Yeah. Yay. Excellent stuff. OK, well, let me find I've got the clock. I've got my timer. OK. Here's the timer. And look, look at that. We can reflect all three of us. In the, see all three of us on the screen there if you look at that very carefully. There we go. All right, so you're up for this, are you, Nikki? I go for it. Okay, so Nikki McLeod, Super RVN. So what, what do you want to do your 60-second CPD in? Uh, cats and stress. Cats and stress. Okay. Yeah, good one. Good all right, one. so yeah. let's get ready. So Nikki McLeod, 60 seconds on cats and stress starting now. Right, so I want to stress to people that cats are not dogs. So at the end of the day, don't treat your cat like a dog. So when it comes to the vets, you want to be able to think about how that cat feels. And at the end of the day, your cat doesn't want to be on the floor in its basket because it gets really stressed out with all these feet walking back and forward and all these dogs coming up and sniffing. So if you have your your cat in a basket in the waiting room, please put it on the table. If you have a client's cat in a basket in the prep room, please put it on the table. Um, It really does, it stresses me out out so much to see these cats um, being put on the floor um, when they are normally used to being up high. I mean, cats like to climb trees. They can't climb trees in a basket, but my goodness, make it easier for them to be up high. So please put your cat in a basket on a table. Thank you. Wow. And there we go. Fantastic. Wow. And that was great. So to take a message, cat stress-free practices, Pay particular attention to not putting cats down on floors where they're likely to feel threatened, aren't they? They want to be up high. They want to be in charge. Correct. Cats want to tap people on the head. That's basically (laughs) what they want to do. They want to tap people on the head. See, I say that because when we sit around the dinner table at home, which we we tend to do, uh, one of my cats sits on the the little cat um, climbing frame behind me Mm -hmm. and likes to rest her paw on my head in the hopes that'll tempt me into giving her some food. Aww. I must admit, it usually does tempt me into giving her some food it because does. it's quite a cute thing to do. It's if I don't feed her, I get the claws in my head, so I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but but think, think, well, it was a great CPD. That was really yeah, good. That's very good. Thank you. Nice, Thank simple you. message, but very valuable and, uh, and quite useful as well. 
don't know. Mm. Excellent stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that deserves a CPD certificate, don't you, Mike? Oh, I forgot about that. Have you have you done a CPD certificate for us tonight, then? It just hopes it just happens that I have. Okay. Um, let me find it. Hang on. Here Go it on. is. So here we go. Do you know about these CBD certificates, Nikki? We give them out here. So here we go. Yeah. These are these are approved. Well, approved yeah. by, by me, mainly. Okay. So this says certificate of more bloody knowledge. This certifies that you, the listener, have listened bloody hard and bloody well no more sanguine facts. <laughs> and to prove it, look, there we go. This is this was a now, I apologize for people who are listening and not watching here, but uh, what I'm showing is the certificate, and there's a picture of a of a blood spatter in a heart shape. Isn't that nice? Uh, so this was this was actually one of my colleagues dropping a blood tube, and it just it, it splattered in a little heart shape there, which is quite you, nice. You fell for that, did you, Junior? I've just, I've just got rid of the sample that we've got. But, oh, look, isn't it lovely? It's oh, isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? <laughs> it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a stress-free day, I must admit. <laughs> and if you, if you squint closely, you you can you can see St. Peter and St. Paul and, and the others sitting down oh, for the last oh. supper. Bless. Isn't that lovely? Bless. I'll, I'll get some more later. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I'll for that one. Fair enough, Julian. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't quite work. Oh, look, here, here is my cat. Looking very unstressed. Stress free. <laughs> Stress free, absolutely. Uh, and, and the rest, I think, uh, are really That's a just, Highland coup. That's, That's a Highland coup. Yeah, we, we, uh, we have a an RSPB site just down the road from us that has Highland coups, because why wouldn't you as an RSPB site? Okay. And so they're, they're my, they're my favourite cows. And, of course, the, the sound oh, I, they make, RS, everyone. RSPB. Uh, Royal Society for Protection of Birds, RSPB. And they've got that one. <laughs> and they they've have Highland cows. They have Highland cows there, yes. Okay. We don't afford the birds these days, but what noise do Highland cows make? Come on, come on. Okai the moo. Oh, we used to have <sighs> we, we used to have a session on the section on the on the show, Nikki, that was Julian telling a joke. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was it was it was least popular section. It even <laughs> Even with me. <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. Carry and, on, Julian. And just get the rest of the CPD here. certificate. Here's a picture of a Scottish island. Do you know which one it is? No. No, neither. I can't remember. But, um, <laughs> but I canoed round it once. We were up near um, near Ullapool. And so it's one of the islands near Ullapool. Very good. Um, and there are 800 islands around Scotland. 800. It's what, what is called the Highlands and Islands. Yeah, but not all of those islands make Scotch whiskey. No. Very few. Very few. Some would say enough of them do. Others would say, hmm, really. Just want to put that out there. Are you a are you a malt drinker, Nikki? Or oh no, she's, Nick, Nikki's putting her face. You can't say that, you'd be drummed out of Scotland. <laughs> I'm not a whiskey drinker. No, I can be gin. Oh, well, in that case, there are some special, special Scottish Island gins. I'm a big fan of Scottish Island gins. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mike Mike has introduced me to to a good many Scottish Island gins. Fantastic. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, the the distilling skills are wasted on whiskey. 
But they sure know how to make a good gin. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're a gin drinker then, are you, Nikki? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. What are your faves? What are your faves? Um, anything that looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares what it tastes like so long as the yeah. bottle is pretty? Because at the end of the day, you can stick orange juice and lots of ice cubes in it and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but no, I'm I'm into my sort of flavoured gins. Sorry, um, did you did you say orange juice? Yeah. Orange juice and lemonade. Yeah. Okay, Mike looks as if he's about to poo himself. Orange <laughs> juice in gin, eliminated. No, come on, here's come on, Nikki. Nick. I know, I know. Oh. Other tonic waters are available. This is Fever Tree, and my God, you've got to travel far to get a better one than that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not sponsored by them yet. Big hint there, Fever Tree. Yeah. <laughs> other, other tonics are available. Yeah, if if they want to sponsor us, I want to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> but orange juice, my goodness me, do you have no morals up there? Pathetic, eh? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have something to lighten the day when it's like only six hours of daylight, for God's sake. Is it, when it's very, what, what did you call it? Greek, was it British or? It's Greek. Greek, that's right. Greek, sorry. Yes. Greek mm-hmm. presumably is um, a, a day to sit indoors and drink gin with whatever lots of gin, lots of whatever orange. fruit juice you can be bothered to <laughs> gray gray and wet and it's sort of wet Freaking from, miserable. <laughs> wet coming down and wet coming up and just wet hence the scottish term oh my christ it's so miserable today i may as well put orange juice in my gin yeah, yeah that, fa- that yeah. famous expression <laughs> i don't know well there we go gosh but there are an awful lot of of gin Distilleries in in uh, in Scotland more so than uh, they're in England. Although, how they're rating that, I don't know because they're about five down my road. Yeah, but that's your that's just your neighbours, isn't it, Julian? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. 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 yeah and and be- believe me, you wouldn't want to have Rob's. That's oh. the whole. That's the whole Pachin thing. From... I had a glass of, of his homemade gin. Yeah. Uh, Christmas last year. And I couldn't open my left eye for a week. <laughs> wasn't <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't smooth, you know. I'm pretty sure it was smooth, although I couldn't taste anything for a week and had to have tests every day for COVID. But it was yeah. probably Rob's gin. I think it could have been. Yeah. I think it could have been. Uh, Nikki, the, test, the test melting is probably the thing that told you it is Rob's gin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think we're I think we're rambling to to an excessive extreme now, aren't we, Mike? Which, which normally tells us that um, that it's probably time to bid farewell to our guest and and release her for the rest of her evening. You go and drink some gin with orange juice. Go and drink some gin <laughs> if with you orange. wish to go and drink yeah, some even <laughs> with with orange juice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, and uh, you. I've certainly learned a lot. And uh, me too. Our listeners will have as well. And um, don't forget, if you like what you hear, click subscribe, join us, get in touch with us, and ask us to uh, cover some of your favourite topics, and we'll do our best. But uh, so, Nikki McLeod, RVN. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I have. May your dog go with you. Thank you. May your dog go with you. And cheers. Cheers. Slange. 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 Whatever. And cut. And...
<laughs> Brilliant, Nikki. How, how, was how was that for you? That was good fun. Yeah? I just had child kept coming in every so often and I was just like, go away! Go away, child! <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> you, I'm busy. You didn't, do, you didn't do that thing that the um, the politician did in the lockdown. Well, who was it? Oh. He was oh, being God, interviewed the kids came morning. in, yeah. Well, I had visions of that happening, but I managed to <laughs> avoid that. <laughs> Great, wasn't he? I'm being interviewed by the BBC. Will you just fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All good stuff. That's brilliant, Nikki. Thank you ever so much indeed. Thank you very much, guys. All right. We'll catch you around. Take yeah? You take care. All right. Night. Bye. Night. Bye. 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 Bye.